Now, if you could have a relationship like that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Now, that's what we're going to have in heaven big time. But it's also what we can have right here and right now. But in order to do that, the Bible teaches we've got to get rid of anything that is outside the will of God in our life. And it teaches more than that. It teaches not only have we got to get rid of it, but we've got to hate it. In Proverbs we read, the fear of the Lord, would you believe that? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, to hate pride, to hate arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth, saith the Lord. Do you know the fear of the Lord was that? And if you don't do that, then the Bible teaches the fear of the Lord is not really in you. And one of the sad things in our society is our blase attitude towards sin. We say, well, I know I ought not to do this or this isn't right, but you know, you know how it goes. Used to be that the moral values of our society were fashioned by Judeo-Christian ethics. And they were inculcated through the communication from parents and authority figures and the culture that we live in, but no more. And today the church is more important than it's ever been because nobody else is standing for these things today. And yet the sad thing is, that instead of being in the vanguard many times and influencing society to conform to biblical morality, the church is letting society influence it to lower its values. You see, holy hatred cuts across the grain of our human personalities. And the easy way is the way of accommodation. And because of insecurity in people like me, and I confess this, many times we do not confront sin as we ought to. I don't confront you many times as I ought to because of my own insecurity. You see, I want you to like me. And I was amazed last week, I had somebody in my study, and I really confronted that person with sin. And I thought, my, that felt good, and I ought to do that more often. The reason it felt good was not because I was coming down on him, but because I was being faithful to what I knew God was saying. You see, accommodation and compromise don't work well in the kingdom of God. Now, we learned that early in the Bible in the Old Testament in 2 Kings, written about 700 years before Jesus. And it was about the good king, Hezekiah, he's one of the best kings that ever reigned. He was a king of Judah. Now, Syria had already captured Israel, but they hadn't captured Judah. And so Hezekiah, Judah had been saved primarily because of the kind of king Hezekiah was. And the Bible says of him that he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor among those who were before him, for he clung to the Lord 
and he did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Now that was good, and it said God was with him, but because of the pressure, the Assyrians were very strong. And Hezekiah was afraid that the Assyrians were going to annihilate Judah. And so he went to King Sennacherib, and he cowered to him. And he said to King Sennacherib, he said, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me. And then he said something he wished he hadn't said. Now you don't say that to a non-believer or he'll clean your clock. He really will. And Sennacherib did that to Hezekiah. And he said, all right, I will not come against you if you give me 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Now my wife and I figured this out. I figured it out and she checked me. A talent equals 6,000 drachma. And a drachma was a day's wage for a laborer. Now let's translate that down to today. And let's say the average daily wage is $50. Now that's less than some make, uh, more than some others make. Let's say $50, which is probably conservative. That was true today. And Hezekiah gave Sennacherib 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. That's around $10 million. It's expensive to compromise. And that's the reason the Bible says four times, Dick Robinson, help me here. He said four times in the Bible, in Psalm 12, 9, in Psalm 97, 10, in Proverbs 8, 13, and in James 5, 15, it says, hate evil. Because not to hate it is expensive. Now we got to be careful because we just love to hate evil. We just love to come down on other people. We just love to come down on folks for committing sins that happen to be the sins we don't commit. Don't we? <laughs> we need to remember the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's the reason for your scripture today. You might turn to it. It's on page uh, 844 in your pew Bible. If you have your own Bible, it's James 1, 19 and 20. James 1, 19 and 20. Thus you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And you see, this is God's direction on how to handle this holy hatred. We can capitulate to fear and we cannot say anything or we can come against it and hate it and come against people because of our desire for revenge and retaliation. King Saul was a good example of that. He came against David and all of his spleen was vented on David and he lost control and it cost him his life. And it can do that to you. The Bible cautions against the get-even spirit. 
He says, the Bible says we're to hate evil and we're to hate this kind of evil also. There was a young woman in our church that told me not long ago that um, she went to the dry cleaners to pick up her dry cleaning. And the dry cleaners was very, were, were very crowded and she had to wait. And she said she was waiting there very patiently and a couple of times the clerk called on other people when he should have been calling on her. And little by little, this began to just raise up, you know, and she just wanted to explode. And she said, I decided not to do that. And I waited, and finally he got to me, and I took my cleaning, and I paid my bill, and I left. Now, you know, Jesus said, when you do wrong and you're punished for it, expect that. That's what ought to happen. But he said, I'm so pleased with you when you do right and you are punished for it in some sense, when you control yourself. That's what I like. And God is pleased when we do not lash out in bitterness or resentment. That we're quick to hear and not impulsive to speak, and slow to anger, because the Bible says the anger of man does not bring the righteousness of God. And you see, when you read somebody out, or when you come against them just venting your spleen, you're trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin, not you. So you need to learn how to handle this anger. Do you know what the Hebrew word for anger is? It's shara, and it means that which burns inside of us. Hence the statement, it burned me up. <laughs> you know what the Greek word for hatred is? It's orge, from, what, uh, from which we get orgy. It is giving vent to the flesh. It's letting all this stuff come out. I'm so glad I finally got to tell him what a jerk he was. And see, all of us are like that. That's the reason the Bible says all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Beloved, we are part of a sinful and corrupted world. And the only hope we have to control this anger that is in all of us is the Holy Spirit. And you know, recently, some amazing things have been happening in this church. And people have been ministered to by the Holy Spirit. And David was talking to you about that earlier. And some of them do what we call rest in the Spirit, and they end up on the floor. And it's not important that they're on the floor. That's not the big deal. What is important is what happens when they get there. And in the 845 service this morning, we had a testimony by a young woman that this happened to, and I was there when it happened. And as she laid there, and that might seem a little weird to some people, but it didn't seem it to me because I could tell that God was just vacuuming things out of her. And the joy just welled up in her, and it came out. And you see, beloved, that is you allowing God to control you.
rather than you're controlling the situation. And Paul described it when he said, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And in Ephesians 4, he says, let all, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice, slander. You know what that is? That's talking about, folks. Criticizing. Looking for the bad rather than the good. God's been doing a work on me in that. And God has said to me again and again, where do you get off criticizing people? When I've been as gracious to you as I have, when I have forgiven as much from you as I have, how in the world can you ever be critical of anybody? And beloved, criticism just within itself doesn't help anybody. Now, if you see something wrong in me, I find it very difficult to think that you could do that. But anyway, if you can, and you find something in me that's not right, please come to me and tell me, and, and I will... I will be open to that because I want to be what God wants me to be. But don't run around and tell other people because it may never get to me and I may never stop doing it. And then I not only got you that's unhappy, but other people. And so let's root out that thing from us. That's the reason God says, be angry. There's certain things to be angry about. But sin not. And holy hatred is being offended by what offends God. By being offended, not at who offends God, but being offended by what offends God. And even this can get out of hand. Uh, we can justify our anger, let our emotions get overly involved, like the man who got mad about his son, who was not only uh, buying drugs, but was selling drugs, and got so mad that he had a heart attack and died. Now know this, beloved, when you lose control, God has lost control of you. That's just a simple thing. That's reading in Hebrews we read, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it. Now that's our job, beloved. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, that it may be defined. The Bible says that we are sinners and we do these things, but isn't it wonderful Sunday after Sunday, I repeat to you, if we confess, that means agree with God that sin is sin, not try to to sidestep it or rationalize it. If we confess our sins, God, is faithful, and God is just to forgive us of all our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can do that right now as you're listening to me. Somebody said at the end of the first service, he said, <laughs> he said, did you write that sermon for me? <laughs> I used to preach sermons to people. In fact, there was one member of this body that I felt was totally unteachable, just totally wouldn't be instructed by anybody. And so I worked hard on a sermon on teachability. Just worked hard because I was going to get him. Sunday came. I had my sermon. I preached it. He stayed home. Well, you know, 
I learn better than that. But beloved, when I say, I may not say it to you, but God might say it to you. And so we need to listen. So would you pray right now? And let me read these uh, things again that, that I talked about here. Bitterness. You might just, right now, if you want to close your eyes, that'd be all right. Leave them open if you want to. But bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, all these things. If, if you've been losing control and you want those things rooted out of your life, why don't you just ask him right now? Say, Lord, just take over. And, 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 and don't let me get out of line with this, Lord. I'm sorry for this root of bitterness. I'm sorry for this anger. I'm sorry for this uh, slander. I'm sorry for all these things, Lord. I realize it's sin and it'll hurt me as well as hurt others. And I renounce it right now and ask you to forgive it and to cleanse it. You do that right now? You did that, didn't it feel good? Didn't it feel good? It's so good when we do that. Did you know that even in the Old Testament, God is a God of love? In Leviticus 19, Leviticus, it says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, because I am the Lord. I love you that way. And you are to love others as I love you. And in the New Testament, it's even more precise. Be kind to one another. I saw a, a, a sign one time. It said, be kind. Everybody's fighting a hard battle. That spoke to me. The Bible says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. James writes, do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourself may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, and it's not you. And let's not play God. I was going to change this around because I didn't want to seem that I was defending preachers, but it actually happened this way, so I'm going to tell it how it happened. A preacher friend of mine was busy one day uh, ministering to somebody, and one of his elders called him. And he told the elder, he said, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you right now, but I'll get back to you. And guess what happened? The preacher forgot. Well, the elder got living. The elder said, doesn't care. So he began to go all over the church and talk about the preacher. Can't ever get to the preacher. The preacher doesn't care. All these kind of things. Now, beloved, let me tell you something. You got to watch that kind of thing. Now, the preacher was not right not to call back. I tell the secretaries, whenever I get a phone call, put on a piece of uh, paper in great big letters about this high. Passed a little phone call. And because some of them got lost on my desk from time to time. He should have called back. But also that elder should have realized that even though the preacher was not right, God might have had something to do with that. That elder should, said, have, should have said to himself, have I ever forgotten anything? Number two, do I really deserve first priority in anybody's time? And maybe he had something else happen that he couldn't get back to me. 
And then the elders should realize that maybe, just maybe, that preacher didn't call back because instead of talking to the preacher, that elder should be talking to the Lord. Or maybe be talking to somebody else. That could be. And also, maybe that happened so that God could talk to him about his critical spirit and about his propensity to criticize other people. I'm not defending the pastor, but realize we set everything out. And we say we want these things to happen, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way, and we get disappointed. And I really, if you're walking in the Spirit, you ought to never be disappointed because God can change the agenda just like he did in our service today. So I'm going to quit, but let me summarize what I've said. Number one, we're to have holy hatred, but be sure it's holy. Number two, we're to hate what God's hate. We're to hate what God hates, but don't let that hatred get out of hand. Number three, we're to hate anything, even our own plans, even our own heart's desire, if it's out of the will of God. And most of all, we're to hate anything that gets between us and God. Paul says in Ephesians, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. See to it that you don't come short of the grace of God. See to it that when God's pouring out his spirit, you don't miss it, but you become a part of it. And let God control even the hardest part. And that's the thing just wells up inside of us sometimes. And he'll do it.